Acts 13, 48. And this is where um, we're going to be at, but I'm going to be all over God's Word today. You see all them little yellow tabs? That's where we're going to go. And so we have one verse that we're going to be looking at. Uh, This will be more topical than exposition, but we know that this will also be exposition. And so um, just bear with me as as we go through this. Listen to what it says beginning there in verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Now remember, first, may God bless the reading of his word. But I want us to remember where we're at in Acts. Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch and Poseidon. Remember that? They're there and they're preaching to the Jews. They're preaching to the Jews. And the last time we talked about this, this is where the Gentiles are being grafted in. Okay? Talks about it in Romans chapter 11. Matter of fact, I'm doing a lot of studying on grafting right now. And hopefully, in the spring, I'll be able to have Jerry or Mr. James or somebody help me with that. I'm going to bring in a tree and I'm going to show that to you. I'm going to bring in two. I'm going to show that to you so you can get a better understanding. Because the last time I spoke about this, grafting, I came home and my children said, Dad, I don't get what grafting is. So, we're going to give a visual example of that, but it's not going to be today, okay? This is where, however, the Jews or the Gentiles are being grafted in. That's a really, really big deal what's taking place here. They had been primarily preaching to the Jews, but understand, as a whole, the Jewish people rejected the preaching of Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas had had enough. And so they turn to the Jews, or to the Gentiles rather. When the Gentiles hear this news, they rejoice and they glorify the word of the Lord. They receive it by faith. They are saved and brought into the covenants and the promises of God that are found in Christ Jesus. Everybody following me? So they're brought into that. That's where the grafting part takes place. And like I said, we will go over that later. But we're going to pick up here in 48 at the last part of this text. Because this is one of the main scriptures when it comes to the Gentiles being grafted in. This is where it's talking about right here. Now, sporadically, we see even in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, sporadically, we see Jews or Gentiles being brought into the fold of God. One of which that we'll talk about later is Rahab the harlot. Another is Ruth, right? These were all Gentile people that were brought into the covenants and the promises of God. But as a whole, we don't see it poured out for them until right here in this scripture. So this is a really big deal because it pertains to each and every one of us here today. As we are all Gentiles. All of us. You know that? We're all Gentiles. And so we have to remember that. 
We have to keep that in mind. And we, we can't become prideful in the fact that we've been grafted in, is what Romans 11 says, but we should glorify the Lord in that. So verse 48, it says this. Like I said, technical message, please pay attention. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. <laughs> I hear a Bible. Is that Miss Martha? Just hit the side button. You probably can get it. There you go. All right. Now, whether you're looking at the English Standard Version, whether you're looking at the New International Version, the New American Standard Bible, the New Living Translation, or if you would like to go back to the Geneva, which is in the late 1500s. The King James Version, the word in our text, appointed, is either appointed, depending on the version, chosen, or ordained. Does everybody see that? Appointed, chosen, or ordained. And they all three mean the same thing. And so whether you have this Bible or that, I want us to understand that there is a, a unity here among scholars that this word is the same. Chosen, appointed, ordained. So what does it teach us? We're going to look at what it teaches us today. I told you it's going to be technical and maybe a little bit hard for the kids to understand. Um, and if it is, I may be able to explain it to them a little bit later on in easier terms. But I have a lot of scripture to go through, so I'm going to get started. First, it shows us that someone bigger than ourselves has a plan and a purpose for certain ones. Let me read that again. Being appointed, being chosen, or being ordained, it means that someone bigger than ourselves has a plan and a purpose for certain ones. In this case, that plan and purpose was that of eternal life. Now, when it comes to my eternal life, there's only one person I want dealing with it. And that's God. That is it. And so we have to see that there is a foundation to this, and we're going to be looking at that foundation. It says in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. There's the foundation. It had to start somewhere. The foundation of the earth didn't just happen, and we know that. It had to start somewhere. Well, so did our salvation. It didn't just happen. You didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to do this. It doesn't work that way. In this case, that plan and that purpose was that of eternal life. It happened before the world began. 
before the foundations were laid, before he spoke dirt into existence. Do we understand that? Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14 tells us that. Let's turn there for just a minute. Ephesians 1, 3 through following. I told you it's going to be technical. I want you to take notes. And if you need to challenge me on this, you're more than welcome. Meet me after church. Meet me tonight. We'll talk about it. I want us to understand the starting point of our salvation. We need to know this. This is a critical truth in God's Word. Ephesians chapter 1, 3, let's just go to 11. Let's go to 11 in this. Because we're going to start here and we're going to talk about His plan and His purpose for eternal life. His plan and His purpose, His counsel, His will in our life. We're going to start there, is where we're going to start. Beginning in verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestinated us, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You see that? According to the purpose of his will. It was not our will that the world be created. <laughs> it wasn't. You didn't decide that the world was created. God did. Our salvation, our salvation originates with the Lord. Verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. And the Beloved is Christ. Or in other words, we have been accepted, accepted by the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to his, according to his purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him, listen to 11, we have obtained an inheritance. In who? In Him. We have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things to, and according to the counsel of His will. We see that. We cannot take this out of the Bible. We can't. The topic, if you would like to call it that, is that of election. I've preached on election before. I don't harp on it. When it comes up in the text, I have to preach it. There's some people that's all they want to talk about is election this and election that. But I want us to understand right here in verse 48 in the book of Acts in chapter 13, we are looking at those that were elected unto eternal life, chosen for eternal life. 
You say, I don't like that doctrine. That's okay. You don't have to like it. I don't like it very much either at times. It hurts me sometimes. And I'll tell you why. Because it strips me of my pride. It strips me of what I can and cannot do. And people do not like that. It's a very lofty teaching. It's a very lofty teaching of the truth of God's Word. That many people will reason away. They just reason it away. They say, you know what? That might have been popular in the 1500s, but it ain't now. Folks, let me explain something to you. This was popular when Jesus preached it in Luke chapter 4. When he said, remember Elijah? Who was sent to the one widow woman in Sarepta? Remember that? Then what did the people do? They wanted to push him over the hill. Because he made a difference in one widow woman versus another. And the effectual love that was poured out on the one and not the rest. So when we look at this doctrine and when we see it, we need to understand that it is true whether we like it or not. We cannot take this out of the Bible and it just does not start in the New Testament. Some people totally overlook it because they don't understand it and they don't want to apply their mind to understanding it. Some people say, man, you know what? That's really hard. We're just going to let God deal with that. That's not okay with me. i got to get to the bottom of it. If there was anybody, I want you to listen to me, if there was anybody that had the reason and the right to throw away this doctrine, it's your pastor. Let me explain to you why. My father taught me this doctrine. He was taught this doctrine by a man that he was doing ministry with. Y'all know my father's story. Most of you. Not you. Most of you. Now let me explain something. One of the most hurtful times in my life was when my dad did what he did. I learned this truth sitting under his preaching and under another man's preaching. At that moment, I had an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm done with everything you've taught me. I don't care what it is. I'm out. If there was anybody that would have thrown this away, I had every right. I had every right. But I can't. Because to know that I am special to Jesus Christ and to know that I have been chosen, that I have been called, that I have been justified, and that I will be glorified means everything to me. I wanted to throw it out. But I couldn't. 
Some people think that it's not valid anymore, but it is. It's not flashy. It's not entertaining. But we don't come to church for flashy and entertaining. The Word of God is absolutely filled with this wonderful truth. And this should bless your heart to know that you are special. Don't fight against it. Embrace it and let it bless your heart to know that Jesus died for you. That your name was engraved upon the palm of his hands. In the Old Testament, we see this clearly in Genesis in chapter 7 when Moses, or when Abraham, who was Abram, was called to leave his country. Abram was wicked. Abram was not a good man. But God called him. But God showed mercy. But God had a purpose and had a plan according to his counsel in Jesus Christ. But God. So he calls Abraham. He was called by God. He was called by name. He was called out of the wickedness of idolatry in the land of his fathers. He was called away from his father's name. Called to go to a land that he would show him later. You talk about have faith. But that's what happens when the Lord gets involved, isn't it? He was called to serve the Lord, called to worship the Lord, to live by faith for the Lord. He was promised wonderful promises. Covenants were made with him. What did he do to deserve it? Nothing. Dickie, what did you do? To deserve your adoption. You didn't even have the mind to observe it. Or deserve it. You were too small. So this is not something that we throw out. Because we just say, well, we don't like this. Or, well, we don't understand it. Or we just think that this is old fuddy-duddy stuff. It is not old and it is not fuddy-duddy. Abraham, before he ever done good or evil, was elected before the foundation of the earth. This was the counsel, the plan, and the purpose of the will of God. For him to be a vessel of divine grace. Then we move on from Abraham and you, you go to Isaac who I never would have chosen. I would have chosen his brother. Who was his brother? Esau. Remember the mighty hunter. That would have been a dude I could have got along with. Right? Right, Brad? That would have been somebody I could have got along with. The mighty hunter. Not Isaac, who stayed in the tent, who kept the sheep and was around his mama all the time who kind of sounded like a weakling, if you want to be honest about it. 
I wouldn't have chosen him. I would have chosen the other one. I'm sorry, that wasn't Isaac. That was Isaac and Ishmael. Y'all was all wrong, and I was too. And I, was, I would have chosen Ishmael too because he was strong. Now we're going to go to Jacob. <laughs> Jacob was chosen and not Esau. See what y'all do when y'all start talking when I'm preaching? I'm going to go with you. <laughs> so there was Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac was chosen but not Ishmael. And then you have Jacob who was chosen who I previously spoke about, and not Esau. In all of these situations, we, using human reasoning, would have chosen the other versus the one that actually was. As was Israel and not Egypt. According to the world's standards, you would look at Egypt and say, I choose Egypt. Why? They got gold, they got silver, they got all this, this beautiful fertile land. But that wasn't the case. God chose Israel. If you would have looked at Moses, one that had a stammering tongue, and you would have looked at Pharaoh, one that spoke clearly, you'd have saw the gold, the strength of a mighty nation behind him, the power of the land, and you would have probably chosen Pharaoh. But it was not Pharaoh that was chosen. It was Moses. Was it not? We see clearly in the Scriptures this teaching fulfilled. In Joshua's conquest, who was a type of Christ, we see this fulfilled in a harlot named Rahab and her family who was chosen to life and salvation. When the rest of the country denied the wonderful works that were going on in the desert, there was one woman by the name of Rahab that turned from her sins and then testified to two disciples of Joshua, two spies, that she feared God. Of all the people in Jericho, we would have never thought Rahab to have been chosen. We would have never thought that Ruth, the Moabitess, which means washpot, a lady from washpot, a lady from a place that was full of idolatry, that she would actually be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Rahab too. But they were. They were chosen. Chosen. And we move on from Ruth... And we also see this doctrine played out in, in type in Boaz, who was a type of Christ who chose Ruth to love. We see that. What about Gideon, who was the least of his father's house or, and, and of the least of the tribes? And what about David, 
who is the least of all of his brothers. He was so discredited, a matter of fact, when Samuel the prophet came, his daddy didn't even recognize him as one that could be anointed king. Oh, we have one left. Oh, wait, I forgot about my other son. He's out there in the field tending to my sheep. His own daddy didn't even think that he would have been the king. But he was chosen as an object of God's divine grace and mercy to be bestowed upon before the foundations of the earth. Is this doctrine lofty? You bet it is. The list, it goes on and it goes on. These all were chosen or ordained or called unto eternal life before the world began. Or even if we go back to the beginning, we see the choosing of Abel and not who? Cain. And then in type, we see it with their father, Adam. You say, what do you mean? He hadn't even sinned. Well, you've got to remember, this goes back before that. Adam was formed out of nothing. Out of the dust of the ground, he was formed out of something that was created. He was made perfect. He was formed outside of the garden. And then the Lord saw fit to take him and to place him inside the garden. We have to understand that our origin, our salvation, it begins with the Lord. And it never ends. It begins with the Lord. All of which were ordained, all of which were appointed, chosen to eternal life. One of my favorites is Noah. The scripture teaches us in the book of Genesis in chapter 7 that Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. It does not mean that he went out searching for that grace. It means that grace was bestowed upon him. Not having done good or evil. Just like Abraham. Just like David. Just like Ruth. Just like Rahab. And the list goes on and on and on. This is a not a New Testament concept. Please don't write this truth off. Please don't. Our Lord has purposed it and it will happen. And that's what I take great comfort in. I take great comfort in it. Listen to what Isaiah 25 and 1 says. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. Isaiah 48. I'm going to read a few of these to you because I want you to see that I'm not making this up. Isaiah 46, 8 through 13. If you want to just write that down, you can and go back later. Listen to what it says about the purpose and the plan. About the purpose and the plan. 
46 and 8 through 13, it says this in Isaiah. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Verse 10 says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Then in verse 11, he goes a little bit further explaining this. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken it and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion. I will put salvation in Zion. For Israel, my glory. We've already read... In Ephesians, but I have another passage in Ephesians that I want to read now. You can mark this down. Pertaining to this very verse, pertaining to the Gentiles. Ephesians 3, 6 and following. Listen to what this says. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things." So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might know, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And verse 11 says this. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't have to read Ezekiel chapter 36. I think that a lot of us know it. It's the passage that says, I will do this and I will do that. You that have a stubborn heart, you that have a heart of stone, I will take it out and I will give you a heart of flesh, something that can feel. I will make you alive. It goes on for five or six, seven verses, speaking about what God would do in a person's life. Psalms 135 and 4 tells us this. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself. He didn't choose Egypt, did he? The Lord has chosen Jacob for himself. Israel has as his own possession. We see that this was God's predetermined plan and purpose, and we know He will do it. After the barrage of verses I just read about Him doing what He said He would do, we know that He will. That's one thing that you can stand on. 
He will do it. Colossians 1 and 27 says this, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what about 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13? Listen to what it says. But we are also to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. 2 Timothy 2 and 10, Paul states, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. See, as much as years ago I would have liked to have thrown this out, once I opened this box up of seeing that the Lord started it and that the Lord would finish it, I couldn't close the box. No matter what was going on around me. Being, being, being able to see the sovereignty of God is absolutely critical in our salvations. We see it in Titus 1 and 1. 1 Peter 1 talks about the foreknowledge of God. 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Amy even read this passage of Scripture this morning when we were singing, and it was crazy that she read a passage that was actually in my sermon. Revelations. We have went from Genesis before Genesis... To now, Revelations. Revelation, I'm sorry. 17, 14. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. Praise God, the Lamb wins, right? For He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. See, here's the point that we have this morning in our text. Whether Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, slave or free, God has purposed by His own counsel and will His elect. And that purpose will come to pass. As He tells us concerning Christ coming in the future in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. And so while it's not an easy doctrine to, to take in, while it's not something that is tickling the ear, it is still true. Now with all that being said, Right here in the midst of Paul's preaching in Acts 13. Right here, now that we've went over all of those scriptures, right here in the midst of Paul's preaching, there were chosen elect Gentiles that were out in the crowd. Paul was preaching. Paul did not know who they were. Man, it would be so, ministry would be so easy. If I knew who people 
who, who were the people, ones going to heaven. That, that would be so easy. Man, we could skip. We could skip a lot of stuff, man. A lot of heartache and a lot of, a lot of aggravation. But we don't. That's why we call out to everyone. That's why we have missionaries to go to the four corners of the globe to preach the gospel. So whosoever will believe will come and be saved. But right here, there's chosen ones out in this congregation of people. Gentiles. Paul is preaching to them. And as he's preaching, these certain ones that we don't know who they are, but the Lord begins to stir in their heart. And the Lord dials their personal heartstring number. Bloop, 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 bloop. Robert. Bloop, 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 bloop. Helen. And the Lord calls. And when he calls, these people begin to be stirred. They're awakened to understand that sin is real. And they're awakened to understand that they need a Savior. And so here, Paul and Barnabas are preaching. And there's Gentiles out there who the Lord begins to work on through the preaching of the Word of God. Chosen ones, called ones. And the Lord is calling them with a personal call. Why is this happening? Why? Because they were foreknown according to His purpose. And those that were foreknown, we know that He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Is that not what the Scripture teaches? Verse after verse, after verse, after verse, after verse. It's not popular, but I'm not up here for popularity. I'm just not. They were conformed to the image of His Son according to His purpose. This happened. And those He predestinated, He called. This is what was taking place in the book of Acts 13 and 48. He was preaching. They were being called. And you see that response. With the Gentiles. This was also according to His purpose and His plan. And for those Gentiles, he's called, they believed by faith. What's it say? And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. They believed. And those that believed were justified through the righteousness of his dear son. And those he justified, he glorified according to his purpose. Some would say, and they would attest that, they would say that God looked down through history. And they would write this doctrine off and say, well, God looked down through history and he knew 
that Matthew David Merle would choose him. And so because of that, God chose Matthew David Merle. But that's not true. Because if that were the case, if that were the case, if it was our decision, and it was, if, it were, if that were a true statement, it would mean that God's decision is subject to man's decision. And it's not. God's purpose will happen. We've seen it time and time again in the Scripture. 66 books of it. God's purpose, His plan will come to pass. If that were the case, if that were a true statement, that God's decision is subject to man's decision, which in turn would give man a level of sovereignty that only belongs to God and no one else, that would be terrible. But God did not look down through history that would be history and say, they're going to choose me, so I'm going to make them one of the elect. He didn't do that. The scripture teaches us in Romans 8, 29 and 30. Those he foreknew, he predestinated. So did he foreknow everybody? No. If that were the case, there would be no hell. I know this is hard, but it's true. Here in Acts, we have Paul and Barnabas who preached to the Jews. They preached to the Jews, of which a great number rejected. They rejected the gospel. The scripture says that they counted themselves not worthy of eternal life. Rejected it. They rejected it. Why? Because the Lord never knew them. The Lord didn't know them. They were of their father, the devil. Jesus makes this very clear in his teaching, in the Gospels. Jesus even tells us and these are the most piercing words, the most destructive and debilitating words that anybody could ever hear in their life. Depart from me. I never knew you. How far did that knowledge go back? I'll tell you how far it went back. From before the foundation of the earth. He never knew them. Now this may be hard for you to hear, but it is true. He never, ever, ever knew them. In our text we have those that were appointed or ordained or chosen to eternal life and we cannot get away from this. We embrace this doctrine at grace and I'm thankful that we do. 
We may even challenge it at times, but I'm thankful that we embrace it. When these Gentiles hear the gospel of Jesus in our text, and I'm done by the way, but when these Gentiles hear the gospel of Jesus, they are awakened spiritually to sin, they see their need for a Savior, and they believe by faith in the risen Lord and are justified. They are saved, pronounced clean. Those that were appointed believed. This morning, if God is calling you, if God has shown you that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, I'll tell you what Paul would have told you. Repent and believe the truth of Jesus Christ that He is able to redeem you from your sin. That He is able to set you free. And when He does that and when He saves you in time, when He saves you, let the church know. Let the people that are part of the church Know that. Come forward and let people know what God has done in your life. Don't be ashamed. Let the church know. These people were not ashamed in Acts 13. They blessed the Lord in His holy name. They glorified Him and this was the whole purpose for what was taking place. Which is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify Him. He's called a people. He has chosen a people. He has elected a people that would be holy and set apart for His holy name's sake and for His glory. Whereas this is a hard truth, a hard doctrine, we do see it from before Genesis, according to the Word of God, all the way to Revelation. And that I cannot come away from. You know, that doctrine has got many a man fired from the pulpit. But I cannot tear out God's Word. It's there. And if there's a problem with that in your own heart then you're going to have to deal with it and reconcile it somehow. Because there's too many there to deal with. This ain't like we're dealing with this certain group over here, that certain group over here that just uses a few certain verses. No, not at all. This is the whole Bible that you're going to have to contend with. And so I pray that you would search the Scriptures to make your calling and election, sure. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we know that as we have looked at this text,